Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. North Hollywood is a 2021 film written and directed by Mikey Alfred. It stars Ryder McLaughlin. Vince Vaughn, and I, Carly herself, Miranda Cosgrove, and tells the story of Michael, whose dreams of being a pro skater are at odds with his working class father's desire for him to get a college education in a plot unlike any we've seen in the movies so far discussed on Gleaming the Tube. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's well-trodden territory. Um, I, you know, Emily, my wife Emily like watched a little bit with me, and, and she was eventually like, "Is this the plot of every one of these fucking?" <laughs> it's 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 uh, it's it's funny because I it I certainly agree that 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 is a, a sort of a well worn plot, but I thought it was really interesting that this coming from way further inside of skateboarding, there was a little it, there was a little bit more sort of subtlety to it that I that I actually really enjoyed. I know that Mikey Alfred is part of a crew called Illegal Civ or Illegal Civilization. And we talked about them a little bit in a previous episode. But why don't you get people up to speed? What is Illegal Civ? So it's it's interesting to me that what Illegal Civ are is actually sort of, it's a little bit kind of hard to define, but in a good way. I think that, you know, in skateboarding, the cliche is always, you know, you want to start a company. So you, I don't know, it starts out as a t-shirt company and you make hats and eventually you make boards. And it's, it's basically a, a skateboarding company is basically a, a, a graphic design project. You know, if there's a, if there's a lead designer who has a sort of a point of view or has like a, a style of, of drawing, you kind of like build the company around that aesthetic. It's an, it's an aesthetic pursuit. But it's become sort of a cliche at this point to start a skateboarding company. It's not hard to start a skateboarding company, but everyone is now doing it. And there are all these little sort of colloquial skate companies that all have their own kind of point of view. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's it's hard. It's weird because they are now a skateboard company. They have boards and they have pros. But when they first started out, I think it was just this sort of loose association of like Hollywood skate kids who had aspirations as filmmakers outside of just making skateboarding videos, even though they, they certainly do a brisk trade in skateboarding videos. And I feel like it was like, rather than pretending that they didn't have aspirations to be actors and music, uh, music makers and, you know, skateboarders and, and this, they just sort of turned themselves into this multimedia, uh, cabal of of kids who wanted to write and and act and make skate videos and and go pro and it's been interesting watching the 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 uh the sort of like the 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 evolution of the of the the little 
crew of kids, you know, like they clearly some of them are, are, are more gifted as actors than they are as skateboarders, but they're all relatively good skateboarders. And they also sort of surround themselves with professionals that are not associated with them as a company. I would say a good companion piece to the movie would be the, re- the they recently put out like a full length skate video called Godspeed, but it's a it's a more of a traditional skate video. The pros involved in the video are not necessarily pros for the company Illegal Civilization. They're they're pros for different companies, but under the banner of Illegal Civilization, they're appearing in these videos, and so it's really interesting to watch how it's a much looser. definition of what a company is. The idea of them, you know, working with Jonah Hill in order to do mid-90s as sort of a proving ground and then putting out a real, a a full-length skate video that was really, really well filmed and really, really, really well received. And then to put, like, to produce and put out a movie with, like, legitimate movie stars, you know, mixed in with these sort of skate kids who want to try their hand at acting is, is I've never really seen anything like it in in the skate industry before. Yeah, well, if you go to the Illegal Civ website, I mean, at the very top of it, like what they seem to be branding themselves as now is the first teen movie studio, which to me is like a bold claim because, you know, the people in the movie play teenagers, but none of these people are teenagers. Right. And I think they started out, it's it's like I said, it's they've the name Illegal Civilization has been around in skateboarding in one form or another for a few years. So it's entirely possible that they were teens when they started it, you know? And and it, it and again it was it was an interesting thing because they made a skateboarding movie very much almost in the in the spirit of what I think Rob Deerdick was trying to do, except they allowed it to they allowed the the sort of like unnamed subtleties and like and like weird dynamic of like what exactly being a pro professional skater is they let it go a little more undefined than I think a lot of movies of that sort of same genre. A, a lot of times in the movies we've watched so far, if a, if a kid is an aspiring professional skateboarder, the hook is that there's a contest that they need to win or some, you know, something, you know, they, they need to catch the attention of an owner of a company who's like, you've got talent kid. And, and in reality, the, the the path to becoming a professional skateboarder is this really, really weirdly undefined uh, thing where, you know, it, it's uh, it's they, they talk about it really directly in the movie. And I thought that was pretty fascinating when they talk about, you know, it's literally just a matter of meeting the right people and not being a kook and just knowing how to like kind of navigate hanging around with pro skaters and, 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 you know, getting footage of yourself. And I, I, you know, as far, you know, as, as cliche as I think some of the, the, the storytelling is, it was sort of fascinating from the, from somebody who's a little bit more on the inside of skateboarding. It was interesting for them to kind of hang it on that. Like the thing is, is that it's this undefined thing and you don't know, you're doing it wrong until somebody fucking tells you, Hey, stop being a weirdo. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you're talking about kind of what's interesting to you about this from a skating perspective. And I, I think you liked this movie more than I did because there were things in this movie that I liked, but I don't know if I liked the movie. What I found 
interesting was kind of its release story, how it kind of got rejected by Sundance. And because mid-90s didn't do very well for an indie movie, none of the indie distributors wanted to pick it up. And so they just released it themselves on iTunes and it did like really well on iTunes. I think it was the number one or number two movie on iTunes for a while. So I found that interesting how like they are sort of trailblazing new release paths for movies like this. Like like artistically, I don't know if this movie was that successful for me, but I'm also a middle-aged dude who has never skateboarded. So maybe I'm not the person who they made the movie for. But there have been other movies about skateboarding that we've watched for this that I liked a lot. I really liked Skate Kitchen and I... Honestly, I really like mid-90s, so which some of these people also worked on. So I want to talk about some of the things about the movie that I did like. Um, I really liked a lot of the use of music in this movie. I thought the decision to kind of use 50s pop and doo-wop under a lot of the skateboarding scenes rather than the usual, you know, 10th generation knockoff of an Epitaph Records punk band was pretty inspired. I thought, you know, it's like, fine, well, this is at least different. I thought the main kid, Ryan McLaughlin, uh, had like an interesting screen presence. I think Nico Haraga, who we had saw in Moxie last for this podcast, is really good on screen. Uh, I don't know if either of them was kind of like burning things up on an, on an acting level, but they were at least like watchable. Vince Vaughn, I thought, kind of teetered between being effective in the movie and acting like he was in a different movie than everyone else. He would occasionally kind of lapse into that sort of improv-based Vince Vaughn. I'm going to riff like I'm in a movie with with Owen Wilson and no one else was picking up on that. Right, right. Well, I, well that's the thing. I think, I think I liked a lot of the same things you did. It's, it's, to me, it was sort of couched in the idea of like, well, good for these kids, you know? Like they, the idea that they wrote, that they, you know, that there was genuinely emotional dialogue that didn't fall just flat on its back sort of surprised me and the fact that that you know that these kids like got a bunch of producers and got some actual name hollywood actors and kind of put this whole thing together themselves it certainly endeared me to the film you know there was a lot of stuff that that you know it's funny because i i too am that i'm a 46 year old man who is really involved in skateboarding and it's funny that like i in some ways i did i sort of empathize with vin font's character i was like you know, what I like the running theme of every adult being like, so what is it though? Like what, how, what is a pro skater? It, it was, it was interesting to me because like I said, it really is very difficult to define. And so I, I also, I, you know, so the idea that the kids sort of half-assedly explaining it, but not really defending his case very well, was interesting to me and also that I also think that it was kind of interesting that none of the adult characters seemed really one-dimensional to me like as Vince Vaughn's character sort of developed it's the old trope that I want what was you know better for you than I had growing up could you know is obviously a pretty cliche thing but then once his intentions are clear that it's like you can do this thing but I'm just gonna like pull all the safety nets out from under you so you that you have to sort of prove to yourself that you want to do this rang really true to me because the thing about trying to make it in pro skateboarding is that there's a lot a lot a lot a lot of 
effort that you have to put in early on with very little reward financial or otherwise. You really are for quite a while, just this, it's exactly the way it plays out in the movie. You're just this weird hanger on who has to figure it out. And you could literally look at somebody the wrong way and that's over for you. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying it's just one of the things about skateboarding. It's like, it's an entire industry that's like based on the, the, kind, the kind of vibes you give off, which is incredibly lame to say out loud, but it's just how it works. And to have them kind of like address that head on was, was cool to see. It's a vibe-based economy. It is, and it, but the thing is, it's as horrible as that is to say. That's very accurate. Like that, the, the all the scenes with the two pros. Who I was, by the way, I was delighted that one of the pros uh, was a, a a guy by the name of Barry, Bobby Warris that I really like as a skater, and it was really fun to see him on screen. You know, actually doing a decent job of acting. But any of those scenes with him and Tyshawn Jones, where they're just it's just this amorphous like don't be lame (laughs) you know and like that's on it's it it it's unfortunate that that's that really is like a currency in pro skateboarding can you show up and just not remember he says at one point he says don't be so thirsty for it and that as as abstract as that is i know exactly what that means I did like that the Michael character was kind of awkward and shitty in a very realistic way. It felt like that felt considered and that kind of rang true. I remember watching and thinking like I absolutely at 13 or 14 years old behaved almost exactly the same way. Like suddenly I became, you know, I wanted to hang out with a girl or I wanted to hang out with different people and try desperately to, to manufacture some kind of credibility and suddenly became this weird, like unreliable kind of like fibber character and re- realized really early on, like that's totally not the way to be, but you find, you know, like it's just not having like the, 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 self-confidence and self-awareness to just tell your friends what you want. I want to ask you about the relationship with the Miranda Cosgrove character and Michael. Did that work for you? It felt a little bit, I didn't buy that a, a kid who had just graduated from high school would have never had a girlfriend before. I, I wasn't so, I, I, I wasn't so, I, yeah, I, I would say maybe the, the, the long, a uh, short answer is no, it didn't work for me. Yeah, though, like that was sort of uh, a bit that fell flat for me, honestly. The other thing that fell flat for me were, was I felt there were certain narrative threads, and maybe these, this was like cut out in editing, that kind of are never addressed or never resolved, or they're just sort of there for no reason. Like the altar boy stuff, the water polo stuff. Like, why is he on a water polo team? Why does he quit the water polo team? What does the water polo team mean to him? Like, none of that is addressed in the movie. Why are he and his friends altar boys? Like, do they get something out of this? Is this uh, like trying to be like Harvey Keitel in Mean Streets? Um, you know, there's the, the Catholicism aspect of it isn't really addressed. You see a lot of crucifixes in the in the home, but it doesn't feel like he's struggling with his, you know, his faith or anything. Um, 
you know, this certainly isn't a hard flip. Right. Well, I, I felt like a lot of those elements were there as a kind of a way for him. Like, you know, he decides he's going to focus on becoming a pro skateboarder. And I think at that point, maybe it's like all of those are the, those are the things that he allows to fall away in order to focus on becoming a professional skateboarder, but you don't get the sense that he really cares about any of those things. You know, like, first of all, like, why is he still practicing for the water polo team after he gra- graduated? Like I, and the, the, the idea that him graduating from high school was such a non-event seemed really, you know what I mean? Like, like that there would, in some ways I thought it was interesting that they dodged the cliche of like, I graduated. But at the same time, I was kind of like, I don't, I don't care that he just graduated from high school. I'm going to confess something, Mike. Sure. I, you know, I grew like you, I grew up in the Northeast. I have no idea what water polo is. I don't know what it entails. Does it involve riding inflatable horses? I don't know. I know you you're in a pool and it's like, I think, is it, is it kind of like basketball, but in the water, is there like a goal post or a, I don't know. Is there a water polo movie podcast that I can listen to? <laughs> we, have to we have to look into it. Yeah. And, and well, the other thing was, so I can tell you that the, 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 the altar boy thing almost seemed like an elaborate way to just have professional skateboarder and sometime actor Jason Dill play a, play a priest. So that was a, that was a nod for the skateboarders. Like the, the priest was played by Jason Dill who does a, a interesting turn on the show. Uh, Love with Jillian Jacobs, who's also in this movie, by the way. I was delighted to see a little Jillian Jacobs in this film. Oh, I, she's always welcome. She's always welcome. Uh, again, that was a that was kind of a strange scene. I li- I liked that she was there to kind of hammer home to Michael, like, no matter what you do, you need to work really fucking hard at it. Right, right. Um, but I don't know what relationship she had with the dad. Yeah, that, again, it seemed, there. yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was just like, barely there was a there wasn't a, any real like um any real dialogue to like bat like like she's the doctor but it just he did some work for her like it th- yeah, there was a lot of stuff where there wasn't a, any um any like narrative to back up what was going on yeah you know remember when we talked about back to the future and how everything in back to the future gets set up and paid off over the course of the movie yes this was not like Back to the Future in that regard. And there was a lot of setup and not a lot of payoff or a lot of payoff and not a lot of setup, maybe. I'm not- Which I don't know. I mean, it's sort of a, a loose, shaggy hangout movie. And I think that's probably part of its appeal to the people who like it. So I should probably get over myself with my nitpicking about it on a podcast. But <laughs> well, and the things that the things that were I will say, you know, the things that were there absolutely as little nods to skateboarders, I appreciated all of them. Seeing Jason Dill play a priest and play it completely straight laced was interesting to me. You know, seeing the scene where he gets invited to go out to eat by the two other pros and he walks in to the, this table of pro skaters that that was very effective in that if you know anything about skateboarding, that was a virtual Mount Rushmore of like, if you were a young skateboarder and you got invited to go out to dinner and you walked in and those were the guys that you were eating with, you know what I mean? That would be like, that would be like being a young Jedi and being and Luke being like, come and hang out. And then you walk into the bar and it's Han Solo and Chewbacca and Princess Leia, Leia and, you know, 
uh, Admiral Akbar, like, how's it going? Like that was effective in its, in its delivery. I remember when he, when he walked in, I was like, oh shit, he's hanging out with Andrew Reynolds. That was a very inside thing that I was delighted by. <laughs> I admit. I also, uh, can I, can I, uh, can I make a, a, an observation? I do not think that the character Michael is going to make it as a professional skateboarder. I, I felt like that was an unspoken part of the narrative where I think he's not, I don't think he's got the, I don't think he's got the goods. I was, I mean, it was subtle because I felt like mid nineties did a much better job of showing a kid who falls head over heels in love with skateboarding and is very clearly never going to be a pro skateboarder. Yes. Which I loved about it, that he's just going to be one of those kids who skates very much like me. I was a kid who was, I never had the magic in my feet. I liked to skate and I got pretty good at a certain point, but I was never, I was never a natural at it. Did you find it weird when they cut to the like always sunny in Philadelphia stock music? Oh, I don't know if I remember that. (laughs) There was a scene that was scored to the, like that show always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, One of the things I like about that show is they score a lot of it to like very, cheesy kind of production music that they clearly didn't have to pay a lot of money for sure um and it's usually used throughout like they use the same music cues throughout every episode yeah that that like exactly and there was a scene in this that used the exact same production music and i feel like always sunny in philadelphia has sort of ruined those specific pieces of music for any other purpose. Maybe it was just like a, a placeholder and then they couldn't. But I remember thinking, I wonder if this is a, a function of we need like copyright free music and this is what we can get. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there was also uh, something about this movie that felt sort of out of, out, it felt outside of a time period. Like no one in this movie uses a cell phone. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. At all. Like I found like that struck me because I was like, is this a period piece? Like, is this supposed to take place in the eighties? Is this supposed to take place in the night? I couldn't tell, but I was like, no one's using a cell phone. No one's texting each other, which um, from my limited understanding of what teenagers do is they do that. Well, I will tell you the skateboarding was certainly current. That's interesting. I also thought the character of Walker, by the way, was Another one of those subtle things in skateboarding that was like the kid who played that kid, I thought was really, really great. And the presence of his character among those pro skateboarders was note perfect. There are the, the world of skateboarding is packed with that kid. Yeah, it could be for me. And, you know, Street Dreams was like came out like 10 years before this, like kind of seeing Street Dreams and even the hard flip like so relatively close to this. I was not primed to see the story of the kid whose parents don't want him to be a pro skater. Right, right. Again, um, even despite Vince Vaughn, who everybody loves from Swingers and other movies he's been in and Fred Claus. <laughs> who doesn't love a Vince Vaughn? Yeah, and it's it was, I, as I was watching it, I, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, I feel like this is going to be as close as you get to the kid with the aspirations to be a pro. Uh, that that story being told in in a, in, a, in a more realistic way, because again, it's such a strange, subtle world 
that it's almost like a non-story. Like if you got any, if you got any more realistic about it, it would be almost like a, it was, it was like filmed in Esperanto. Like no one would know what anyone was talking about, you know? So even that I was kind of delighted by like, wow, they, I, like the ubiquitous presence of a skate park to me, like a skate park is not where real skateboarding happens. It's where you practice skateboarding and it's where you meet up and you hang out. But like the, the skate park figures it, at least in my, at least in my estimation of how things work, the skateboard, the skate park is like the least important factor. And so the fact that a skate park is always sort of a central, a sort of a centralized location in these movies, I'm like, no, they're not. They maybe they meet up there and smoke weed, but it must be easy to get a permit to film. Right, right. They do that shit in the streets, Kevin, in the streets. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Yeah.